Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. If you enjoy or get value from the show, you can become a member at danielmesor.com support. Becoming a member gets you access to special content, which I just put up my first installation of last week. And thanks to all the members who have signed up recently. All right, welcome to episode 104 on the road currently, so the audio will be a bit different. I'm going to start off with uh, security news. Someone just stole $70 million from NiceHash, which is a crypto mining company. Basically need to know this. If you have cryptocurrency, you need to take its protection very seriously. And the more visible you are about having cryptocurrency, basically the higher your risk because uh, there are specialized groups that go out and they do nothing but hack you and steal your cryptocurrency. I know of a couple of groups who actually were hacked so bad that the attackers had full access to all their banking and everything. They didn't even touch it. They just moved on to the next um, victim in terms of cryptocurrency. So they stole all their crypto, um, all all their currency, took like millions of dollars from them but uh, had access to banking and didn't even mess with it. That's how specialized and and fast and efficient these people are. So one, don't talk about what you have. And two, make sure you have your stuff backed up and defended. Apple fixed two major uh, bugs recently. One that allowed you to log into Macs as root without a password. And they also fixed an undisclosed bug in HomeKit devices, which evidently allowed a lot of access. Uh, Relay systems are being used to steal high-end cars. You basically get the key to activate by getting close to the key uh, near the house from the outside of the house. So you get the key to activate, then you capture that signal and you replay it to the car, and the car thinks that the key is close, so it starts and they drive away. When small numbers of people control significant amounts of a cryptocurrency, there's significant risk of manipulation. Some people have the ownership of, um, I think, Ethereum at around a thousand people controlling more than half of it. I, I think that's right. Doesn't matter the exact numbers. The the point is, if you have small numbers of people controlling a lot of it which is easy to do when you have, you know, wealth focused towards very few people, you can essentially have a a risk of collusion and, you know, a uh, manipulation of the currency. Technology news, Amazon announced tons of stuff at their reInvent conference, including EKS, which is basically an Amazon implementation of Kubernetes. Cloud9 is a new web-based IDE Super, super cool. Recognition is an AI service that identifies distinct people and images in video. 
Translate is a language translation service that uses machine and deep learning at scale for low cost. Guard Duty, I'm really excited about this one, is a managed threat detection service that continuously monitors for unauthorized activity in your environment. Comprehend is a service that pulls insights from text. Fargate allows you to launch containers without managing the servers. It's kind of like Lambda, except for for um, containers. They also released six new products around IoT security, um, including a bunch that are focused on the interaction between the edge and cloud. Lots more announcements, but those are the ones that were particularly interesting to me. Steam has dropped Bitcoin as a payment option because it's too volatile. Silicon Valley is paying models to show up to tech parties, um, mostly women, but some guys as well, to basically show up and talk to people there. So, quite sad. Human news. Farmers are committing suicide at over twice the rate of veterans. This is extremely sad. It's a huge problem in India as well. After 37 years, Voyager fired up its traje trajectory thrusters at the command of the Voyager team on Earth. It took the commands about 20 hours to reach Voyager at the speed of light because it's around 21 billion kilometers away. It's actually in interstellar space and not even in our solar system. I'm just blown away that this actually works, right? But I, I can't get songs to play in my car with my expensive car and my expensive phone. Bluetooth won't work. But uh, we, sent a, <laughs> we sent a hunk of metal into space, like whatever, 100 years ago or whatever it was. And it's still listening. The radio still works. It takes 20 hours at the speed of light for the signal to get there. It just turns on. It just works. Unbelievable. A Chinese paleontologist found a small dinosaur tail trapped in amber in Myanmar. The tail was extremely well preserved and shows intact feathers, which adds to the evidence that many dinosaurs had feathers like modern birds. Also so so, uh, saw a cool picture recently of a bird. I think it was like, might have been a seagull. I'm not sure what it was, but if you pulled back the feathers on the top of the wing, it had this giant spike sticking out of it, exactly like a dinosaur. It was uh, frightening and awesome. Google has released an AI tool that looks at your genome and recommends customized therapies. And CVS bought Aetna which I hope will bring an improvement in the availability of decent health care. <clears throat> Quite happy to see Amazon actually entering this market to put pressure on everyone else, because now you're going to have Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, and all competing to have the best and most available health care in the country by having it available both online and multiple places around town, right? And it'll also be, they'll be competing on drug prices as well. So, um, once again, I think Amazon is forcing good things to happen just by threatening to crush the skull of anyone who doesn't pay attention. Ideas. Technical professions progress from magical to boring. And InfoSec is in the middle of the transition right now. 
basically if you're in a technical profession and it's still magical it's probably in bad shape and that is um that's infosec right now i mean it's still kind of uh you know sexy and interesting and uh people come to it because there's a lot of demand and you know it's still considered to be alchemy and and magic and all those special things but uh it's increasingly becoming less so right it's it's becoming a little more standardized a little more common a little more uh accepted and understood and all those things mean less magic and kind of the high-end piece of this is when cyber insurance companies have actually captured all the data they have access to a full data lake inside the company they can see everything that happens and they have their their algorithms that determine from that data lake what the chances are of you getting hacked and they adjust their premiums based on that once we get to that point and we have clear defined you know methodologies and checklists and and uh, structure for what to do if you're in a bad state you know exactly what to do first in what order and um, it, it just becomes standardized and checklist based that's when infosec is one doing really well and is has become a science more than an art and um, it's also when it becomes boring it'll be a lot like accounting extremely powerful extremely important you know you still do audits to look for you know drama or whatever but uh it just it won't have the same magic and it's ironic that people who care about infosec want to get to that place right they want to get to a point where infosec is super consistent and extremely efficient and uh high quality and repeatable and you know it's it when you do it it actually stops you from getting hacked wouldn't that be crazy right because right now we're doing infosec absolutely amazing and we're getting hacked absolutely amazing hacked right so we're all extremely busy with doing extremely awesome infosec work and it's not working at all and that that's the current state so once we get to a point where it actually is working that's when it'll basically be based on data it's a crazy idea uh, so it'll be based on data algorithms will tell us what we're supposed to do um, along with some healthy dose of common sense and um, <clears throat> we'll actually do that otherwise we'll have extremely high premiums and that will be the foundation of solid infosec and uh, a very boring infosec which is a good thing if you want to be sad uh, all right responsible disclosure how about responsible behavior? So this is my essay on how to simplify the disclosure debate by stepping out of the security industry. Um, highly recommend you read that one. I, I'm not going to go into it here, but basically the idea is um, instead of thinking about responsible disclosure, just imagine being responsible in any other context, and that will tell you what to do with disclosure. Facebook is the opposite of mindfulness. I should write an essay about this, but the sentence by itself pretty much covers it. 
I'm going to write another essay at some point about this, but I've sensed a lot of unhealthy groupthink on the net neutrality issue. Ben Thompson's argument was quite good for why he's supporting the FCC's decision. Here's the crucial point. Basically, the existing law that we have, which this seems to be idiot in the FCC, is trying to repeal, it is not net neutrality that he's trying to repeal. He is trying to repeal a piece of legislation, which my understanding is doesn't do a great job of being net neutrality. And we shouldn't think that it is net neutrality. A piece of legislation or a regulation is not net neutrality, right? They're two separate things. It might be an attempt at it, but um, doesn't mean it worked or it was good. So it's possible to be for net neutrality and also for the repeal of this regulation. That, that's an absolutely crucial point. So that's one confusion. The other one is around the harm that can be caused by imprecise and overreaching regulations. Not many people know that the financial crisis in 2008 was actually caused by regulation, <clears throat> right? Not just removing regulation and, you know, removing controls on shady practices, because that definitely happened, but actually forcing banks to make bad deals. So, so we made a policy decision that we wanted to give um, homes that, that, that um, people with lower incomes and bad credit needed homes. So we basically said, yeah, go out and give a bunch of people homes. Doesn't matter if their credit is bad. And that, that single piece of legislation or however many pieces of legislation it was, that input, that incentive built the entire broken structure that then led to the greed and the stupidity and all of that. But it started with a single good idea backed up by bad regulation, right? So we have to understand that bad regulation for good ideas causes harm in many cases. The argument being made here is that this is a piece of bad legislation, this thing that's being pulled, and um, it's good to remove it. Now, I don't know if this guy is stupid. I haven't looked deeply into him or, or it. He sounds bad, but I'm also reading Reddit, and Reddit hates everything that's not crazy left, and they, they tend to, uh, you know, be, be a little extreme in some ways. So I, I haven't heard a support of this person. I do know he just went in front of like a bunch of people and said, oh yeah, thanks to whoever for supporting me. Or like he basically made a joke about, you know, being a bot official or whatever, which doesn't, I don't know. I'm not sure that's a smart thing to do or a logical thing to do for a, someone who actually was bought. Um, he, here's another thing I would think if, they, if this person actually is um, on the right side and is repealing this for the right reason, why isn't he going out and talking to people about it? It seems like the news is all one side against it. Um, it seems like if you were in that position, you'd be able to make some sort of logical argument for what you're doing. Um, a couple of people I know in tech are for this repeal. They are for the action of uh, the the commissioner or whatever. And they believe that it should be repealed. <clears throat> but 
most people I know also are for net neutrality, even the ones who think this net neutrality law should be withdrawn. So it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? So that's uh, that's what I would say about that. My, my previous essay about this basically said that um, to me, net neutrality is somewhat simple in the sense that if you have choice there shouldn't be any force that makes you be neutral because you should just be able to switch and choose something else um, if you don't have choice kind of like an electrical utility or whatever you should not have preferential things where you know you don't get this service because it's bundled with another one or whatever um, it, it all comes down to whether and the analogy i made was with like camera apps on, on you know a mobile phone if there's a million camera apps and the moment you don't like anything for any reason you can just switch over to another one then fine right bundle away um, th that's another sort of weird thing about this lots of things bundle bundling and having preferential relationships with different vendors that is everywhere in business it's it's constantly around us right some some company you you uh, like is like oh we're partnering with so and so now you get a discount on this that's not a violation of neutrality that's just business right and so that's one of the arguments that saying that this is dumb um, to to say that you can't have those bundles problem is if you have no choice because you're in whatever Saskatchewan uh, you know Midwest or whatever and there's only one isp and they make friends with whoever and they shut down the stuff that you like and force you to buy the stuff you don't or whatever or charge you extra you know and you have no options to switch anywhere else well that's bad so i think there's a lot more nuance to this debate than most people think and uh i would just encourage you to keep thinking about it and not sort of decide in one way or another and uh, another article here, Measuring Happiness. I didn't write that one. Uh, looks super interesting. I have it open in a tab. Discovery. I made a graphic that shows differences in relationships between artificial intelligence and the different types of machine learning. Um, you should definitely check out this graphic. It's, um, it's pretty cool. Um, the difference is really key. You know what? I'm, I'm going to actually click on this and just read it. This is super important. So basically, artificial intelligence is an attempt to design an intelligent agent that perceives its environment and makes decisions to maximize chances of achieving its goals. That's AI. That is a big, broad, like high-level umbrella. Machine learning is underneath it. Machine learning gives computers the ability to learn from data alone rather than needing to be explicitly programmed. And I think we could slightly tweak that to say it allows you to learn on its own rather than needing to be programmed um, because reinforcement learning doesn't require data as much. So um, underneath machine learning, you have three things. You have supervised learning, unsupervised learning, 
and reinforcement learning. Supervise provides a classification or a value for an input that's given, right? So you give it whatever, a picture, and it's like dog or not dog, or fraud and not fraud, yes or no, that type of thing. Unsupervised learning finds patterns and correlations in data. That's why I named this podcast Unsupervised Learning. It shows you stuff that you haven't seen before that you might want to investigate. And reinforcement learning, this is one of the coolest ones that's kind of gaining interest, is uh, it looks to find the best actions to achieve, um, to take to achieve goals or maximize reward. So it doesn't need to be trained with a whole bunch of data. You basically just tell it what failure looks like and what success looks like, and it just does trial and error. And um, most cool AI systems combine like tons of these together, right? So it's like there's some supervised, there's a whole bunch of unsupervised. Um, AlphaGo recently uh, beat all the previous Go players, including all the previous Go computers. It did it in three days, right? So previously there was like 48 GPUs on Google. It was like, you know, using half the energy on the planet or whatever. And then they built AlphaGo, and it did it in three days with four, four GPUs. So um, just crazy efficiency. It did it with no data. It wasn't trained by humans. It just taught itself using reinforcement learning. And it just destroyed everything before it in three days. Absolutely unbelievable. That's reinforcement learning. It is part of machine learning with supervised and unsupervised and machine learning is under artificial intelligence which is trying to design an intelligent agent that looks at its environment and makes decisions to try to achieve goals so that is how that breaks down uh, nist has released a new draft to their cybersecurity framework Got an article here, what I learned from doing 1,000 code reviews, attributes of the best interviewers. In Safari, you can type shift command backslash to search your open tabs. How to send email like a CEO. A 2017 information is beautiful data visualizations winners. A campaign cybersecurity playbook that any party can use. The Thrive Questionnaire, Packet Total, a free high quality PCAP analysis. It's online, so just keep in mind you're sending your traffic to the internet. DNS Leak Test, test your DNS for leaks, which that's a good name for it. <clears throat> 10 Year Futures by Benedict Evans, <clears throat> a history of big data insecurity by Rafael Marty. And Wired's Guide to Digital Security. This one is super cool because you can basically pick your threat profile and it'll tell you how to defend yourself. <clears throat> really good one to give loved ones. If you can, do me a favor and give me a great rating. I have that marked out in the newsletter, so it's, it's funnier. But um, basically go rate the show on iTunes. Um, that would be super helpful. And 
recommendations, update your max and make sure everyone around you does that as well. And if you have Bitcoin or any type of cryptocurrency, really uh, make sure you have it secured. There, um, like I said, those types of groups are going around and pilfering and uh, tearing people up and hacking them and stealing this stuff. So stay safe with that. And the aphorism for this week, if you have a bowl of apples and you eat the best ones, you only have the best ones left. If you have a bowl of apples and you eat the best ones, you only have the best ones left by Shelley Horton. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget, you can also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiesler.com newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time.